I'd like to welcome you to the first day of our seminar, uh, Canto One Overview, based on this book, Shemar um, Bhagavatam at a Glance. So all the pictures you're about to see, is it working? Yeah, it's working. All the pictures you're about to see are here in this book, and along with poetry for each verse. Uh, all the pictures you see. This picture that's right now up there is actually a poster of the whole first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, which is like this. And each of the petals is a chapter. So today we're going to talk about the first nine chapters of Canto 1. There's two sections we'll talk about. Narada and Vyasa, how Narada describes what Vyasadeva should do. And also the sages Namasharanya are there asking questions to Sutta Goswami. And some of the questions will be answered um, even in the first canto itself. And the rest will be throughout the whole Bhagavatam. And Krishna Hastinapur and Dwarka, here's Vyasadeva meditating on Krishna. And the first time Krishna appears in Bhagavatam is here, driving Arjuna's chariot after the battle of Kurukshetra. Then Kunti Devi offers her prayers, and Bhishma offers his prayers and leaves his body in front of Krishna. So this is the, these are the chapters. Now we go to chapter one. Each of these petals now becomes a verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. The first section is called Mangalacharam, auspicious invocation, and it's divided into three parts. The Mangalacharam contains the meditation, first of all, on the subject of Bhagavatam, Vastu Nirdesh, or description of the subject, and that is Krishna here. He is the subject of Bhagavatam. And the second, and the second verse is uh, benedictions. That's the second part. And the third, third verse uh, describes uh, the history of Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, namaskar, offering obeisances to Srimad Bhagavatam. Okay, so here we see Krishna. Bhagavatam is a commentary on Vedanta Sutta, so it starts with the same verse as the first verse, Vedanta Sutta, Janmadhyaya Sitaha. Second verse is actually the connection between Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. The second verse what is the connection between Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita? Um, so at the end of Gita, we hear Krishna summarizing the whole Gita in the verse, Sarvatarman Puritaja Mami Kamsha, give up all varieties of religion, surrender to me. So the second verse of Bhagavatam says, give all varieties, give up all varieties of cheating religion and surrender to Krishna. So that's, the, there's, that's one connection. There will be another connection between Bhagavatam and Gita. But this is a very important philosophical connection, how Bhagavatam begins where Gita ends. So then uh, in the third verse, we have the desire tree of Vedic knowledge, and Bhagavatam is the ripened fruit of the desire tree. Oh, another thing we learned now, I'm going to give you lessons to remember. And when we finish the picture, I'll ask you, uh, what lessons did you learn from the picture? So, the first lesson here is, in, again, in verse 2, 
The qualification to hear Srimad Bhagavatam, you must be non-envious, submissive, and attentive. And what happens if you hear with submission and attentiveness, you will capture Krishna in your heart. This is verse 2 of Srimad Bhagavatam. Submission, so this is the first lesson we learn here, how to hear Bhagavatam. Qualification to hear. We're not envious, we hear attentively and submissively. So Vyasadeva is calling us to drink the nectar of Srimad Bhagavatam. You may think, how, how is it, uh, how can we drink it if it's a fruit? And so Gurudas asked Prabhupada, what are the fruits like in Goloka Vrindavan? So Prabhupada said, no skin and no seed. So that makes it juice. You can just drink it. And Shukadeva is drinking and Prabhupada is drinking after him. So here the second section of the first chapter, Sages Worship Sutta. So the story begins in the forest named Sharanya, holy place. And the purpose of Bhagavatam is two, is described in the fourth verse, Swargaya and Lokaya, for the pleasure of the Lord and devotees, and for the benefit of the people, Swargaya and Lokaya, for the people and for the pleasure of the Lord. That's the purpose. That's the second lesson we learned. What is the purpose of Bhagavatam? Pleasure of the Lord and to benefit the people. The third section, the sages ask six questions. And the first two questions, what is the essence of all religion? And what is the ultimate good for people in general? So they're asking here. Actually, no, the questions will be answered, not in this uh, chapter, but in chapter, some, in chapter two and three, most of the questions will be answered, chapters two and three. So the first thing that happens in Bhagavatam, glorification of the holy name here is death running away. Even if you unconsciously chant the holy name, death doesn't want to hear it. And and glorifying the devotees. If you meet a devotee, it's more powerful than repeated bathing in the Ganga River. Just a second's association with a devotee. So that is, um, again, if you chant the holy name, even unconsciously, you will transcend death. And to be servant and servant of the servant of the devotee is the most powerful means of advancing. So this is again another lesson here in the first chapter is chant the holy name, become servant of the servant of Krishna to transcend death and be blessed. Now the third part here is spiritual master, he's the captain of the ship to take us across, across the difficult ocean of Kali. So the final question is where have religious principles taken shelter uh, in this age since Lord Krishna has left. And they ask about the incarnations also. Those are another two questions. So now um, I will ask you what lessons did you learn from this chapter? Does anybody remember one lesson? Yes? The ways to learn Bhagavatam. Yes. It's very to important to be submissive to it. Submissive. Because if you uh, look at the scriptures very critically, mm. you're not going to be able to uh, 
Right. You had a lesson? Yeah, it was also that one should be non-envious. One should be non-envious, yeah. To, to actually, the qualification for hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. Non-envious, submissive, and attentive. Okay, any other lessons that you learned? Mm-hmm. Srimad Bhagavatam was spoken for the pleasure of the Lord? For the, yeah, for the benefit of the people. Good, good, good. Any other lessons you learn? Yes. Yeah. Yes, very good. Very good. Uh, by, the by the instruction. Hmm? Chanting, yes. Chant Hare Krishna and serve the devotees to transcend death. I'm going to read verse 14. Souls in birth and death immeshed will find their consciousness refreshed by chanting Krishna's holy name, which frightens fear and spoils his game. So there we have it, chapter one. Now we'll go to chapter two, part one. It's a longer chapter, so it's divided to two. Sutta worships Shukadev. He remembers how he left home at birth and his father was lamenting. And then, real dharma. So here's the answer to the first two questions. The ultimate good for humanity, this is in verse 6, and the ultimate good for humanity and essence of all scriptures is pure devotional service without, the, uh, without uh, stopping. Pure devotional service, this is the answer to the first two questions of the sages. And so that's our first lesson here. What is the ultimate good for humanity and the essence of all scriptures? Then we go to the last section, Absolute Truth, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. There's three aspects to the Absolute Truth. And then we hear about Varnashram here. And the purpose of Varnashram is to please the Lord so that's another lesson we learn here about Varnasham Dharma, Hari Toshana, Sangsidya, the perfection of Varnasham is to please the Lord. And then we hear about chanting again. And then here he's got a sword um, and he's cutting out his karma. How is he cutting out his karma? By remembrance, by taking the sword of remembering the Lord. Wonderful verses here, all these verses. Chapter 2. Okay, so what lessons did you learn here in this uh, picture? Part 1 of Chapter 2. Mm -hmm. Varnasha, yeah? To please the Lord. Purpose, good. That is, that is so important. 
without pleasing the Lord, then it's, it's not very useful. Shama Eva He gave them. He says, uh, if you don't please the Lord, with Varnasha. Um, and what was the other lesson we learned here? Mm -hmm. The best thing for the people is pure emotional, pure emotional service. Ultimate good for humanity. And essence of all scriptures. Good. So here we see Shada to Prema. The verses from 16 describe Shada by worshipping. You get Shada by worshipping the devotee. 17, hearing and chat, chanting about Krishna's pious activities. And verse 18, regular attendance in Bhagavatam class and serving pure devotees will give you nishta or, and also bring you to the mode of goodness. So I'm going to read verse 18. It's a famous verse which we many times chant before speaking Srimad Bhagavatam. Hearing Bhagavatam each day for sure and service to the devotee pure removes an artist and makes you ready for devotional service that's always steady. So, nishta, steady devotional service. And in the next verse tells, if you're in the mode of goodness and nishta, lust, anger, and greed, uh, lust and greediness will run away. The modes, here's the modes running away. Then you're fixed in knowledge of Krishna and then all your chains are broken and you, you get, uh, you see the Lord in the heart. So that's the verses Shadha to Prema quote. Prabhupada quoted these verses from 17 to 21 in his poem when he arrived in America. Very important verses of Srimad Bhagavatam. Then Vasudeva, here Vasudeva is everything. Uh, he is the goal of knowledge, sacrifice, yoga, austerities. And real religion is to perform devotional service to him. Then here, another answer to one of their questions. They asked about the Purush avatars. So here we have it here at the end. Oh, and there is one lesson here. Um, to get Nishta, you should read serve Srimad Bhagavatam. Read Srimad Bhagavatam. To come to the level of Nishta, or steadiness, and to be with Krishna. Okay. So I just told you the lesson, so you won't forget it. We'll go to chapter 3, part 1. Again, more about the Purusha avatars. And from Vishnu, Purusha avatar, all the incarnations are coming. And then we have the Leela avatars here. And this was another question of the sages. They wanted to know about the Leela avatars and the Purusha avatars. So here we have 26, no, not 26, 22. Uh, from starting with the four Kumaras, Varaha, Narada, Naranarayan, and going Matsya, Kurama, Mohini, Damantari, Nishinga, so many incarnations. Lord Ram, even Krishna Balaram are in the list. Buddha, Kalki. So I'll read verse 26 here of chapter. The Lord's incarnations flow endlessly like rivulets from a boundless sea. His innumerable forms, all divine, appear by his transcendental design. So there we have it. We have the Purushavatars. Then here we have one verse all by itself. It's a section. 
because it's called the emperor verse. It's the verse how Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. All incarnations come from him. So don't be deceived that he's in the list. He's not one of them. That's why this verse is, is given here. Don't accept Krishna as just another avatar. He is the origin of all avatars. So this is the, first, this is the lesson we learn here. Actually, the first lesson we learn in this picture. And then we go to Janardhan, uh, description about uh, the different aspects of Krishna, even the subtle, here's the subtle form, no form. <laughs> the subtle form of Krishna, that's black. <laughs> oh, <laughs> blackish, yes. Yeah, I think I went there in my near-death experience, everything was black. Um, and then we have, yes, the gross, and we have the universal form, which is described here is an imagination to help the impersonalists. Uh, then we go to the rising sun of Bhagavatam. Here, Vyasadeva is holding Bhagavatam. In this age of Kali, there is darkness. It's not that there is no light, but people don't want to see the light. And here, he's holding up the Bhagavatam, just like the sun shining on the people and taking away the darkness of the heart. And I'll read verse 43. The Bhagavad Purana, like the sun, has arisen for men in this dark age have lost their spiritual vision. Krishna with knowledge and religion did depart. Now this Purana shall enlighten their hearts. So this is uh, Bhagavad Purana, shining light. And this is the second lesson. Bhagavatam is a literary incarnation of Krishna. So we have three incarnations in this age of Kali. One is the Bhagavatam, one is the holy name, and one is Lord Chaitanya. They're all coming now at the same time for us. We're really lucky. You've got Lord, Ch well, you've got Lord Chaitanya here with you. Gornitai, most merciful, most compassionate, mercy side of Krishna. And uh, then we have Bhagavatam. Then we have the holy name. You're surrounded. Okay, so what lessons did you learn in this picture? Mm -hmm. Krishna is one, not one of the incarnations. Yeah. He's the source. He's the source of all incarnation. And he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Supreme Godhead. I was hearing a lecture where Prabhupada explains what Godhead means. It means head. He's the head of all the uh, incarnations. He's the head of all the gods. So that's Krishna. And we worship Krishna. Okay, and what was the other lesson we learned here? Mm-hmm. Literary, literary incarnation of Krishna. Krishna. Good, good. So we go to chapter four. And that was an answer to uh, the sage's question, where has religion gone? Now, chapter four, we have um, Shonaka's questions. He asks about Shukadev, Pariksha. You know, how did, why did Pariksha renounce so many questions he asked to Sutta? So, and he asks about Vyasadev too. So now the first answer is he's describing the life of Vyasadev, the, the birth of Vyasadev from Parsha, Muni, and Satyavati. 
and uh, how he is saving people in the age of Kali by writing. First he wrote the Vedas and uh, Mahabharata, and he gave it to all his disciples. And But then, uh, even after writing Vedanta Sutra and the Vedas, he's unsatisfied. Unsatisfied Vyasa meets Narada. Now, why is he unsatisfied? Let us go to chapter 5. Hmm. Narada questions Vyasa. Uh, Narada comes, his Buddha appears, and he says, uh, you've written Mahabharata, Vedanta Sutra, all the Vedas, why are you unhappy? Why are you dissatisfied? And Vyasadeva questions Narada. He says, you're my guru, you tell me why I'm unsatisfied. And so then Narada chastises Vyasadeva. You have not talked enough about Krishna. He's indirect, you have to be direct. So here we have, this is the literature for crows, if it's not about Krishna. It's literature for crows. I'll read verse 10 and 11. The places of pilgrimage for crows where Krishna Katha never flows are disliked by genuine sages and saints who are always free from mundane taints. But the descriptions of the Lord are so different, being full of nectar of divine content. They bring about a true revolution for misdirected lives they give the solution. Now, very surprisingly, I heard on a lecture recently by Prabhupada that even Vedanta Sutta falls into the category of um, something for crows to eat. <laughs> I was very shocked when I heard that statement from Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> he was pretty heavy. Yeah. So this is, uh, yeah, and so here we have the crows eating the books, which are useless books. Um, they go for the garbage. Uh, now, here we have a verse. Let's see, Narda, questions, yes. Oh yeah, so the lesson here is that Krishna is all auspicious, and without his presence, everything is inauspicious. And now this lesson, this theme, we'll find in many of the chapters of the first canto. So many chapters. We'll see it today, we'll see it on Thursday also. How without Krishna everything is inauspicious. Very important lesson. So we'll be hearing it again today and a lot tomorrow also. And the last part here is wonderful for us. Krishna uplifts the fallen souls. Um, so lesson, even if a devotee falls down, he's protected by the Lord. And we see so many examples in Srimad Bhagavatam. Chitraketu was protected. He remembered his prema. And Bharata was protected. He remembered that he was, uh, he got too attached to the deer. And as a deer, he remembered his previous life. So that was the protection. So therefore, Narada gives instruction here in verse 18, another important verse. I'll read it. Happiness comes of its own accord, and misery too, due to karma stored. Philosophically inclined, intelligent men endeavor for going back to Godhead again. So don't waste time. Use your life for, for Krishna. 
Okay, we had two lessons. I'm not sure if I said this. Well, we'll see if you learned it anyway. Mm. What What's one lesson we learned here? Yeah? Was it that Shilagasa, that he was not satisfied? Right. He didn't sufficiently glorify? Okay, good. And? Dandaniti? Yeah, without Krishna, everything is inauspicious. And that's why he was unsatisfied. Okay, there is one more, maybe I didn't tell you. That even if a devotee falls down, he's protected by the Lord. I said that. Okay. Um, and there's a, the wonderful verse, verse 17 actually. It says, um, and Prabhupada elaborates on it in his lectures, that even, it, it says, apakva, even if you're, not fructified, your devotion is not fructified, you join in an immature condition, you're not a, a pukka devotee, still you will be protected. You will be protected even if you fall down, Krishna will, will take you back. That's also in Bhagavad Gita. Apichet sarachato bhajate mamananibhak. No, Krishna will not let you go. That was my husband, my ex-husband, he had a initiation letter from Srila uh, Prabhupada that you are very slow to come, but now that you have come, Krishna will never let you go. So that was very nice, very nice letter. So hope that, that's true for all of us, that we, we've come and Krishna will never let us go. So that's a wonderful lesson to contemplate. And it's all here in Srimad Bhagavatam. So now, we have chapter 5, part 2, the first part, everything for Krishna. And that's where the verse um, that Prabhupada would like to quote is 22, where he says, if you're a scientist, do it for Krishna, whatever. If you're a speaker, speak for Krishna. If you're a writer, write for Krishna. Everything for Krishna. And so this is the lesson, all endeavors should be used to glorify Krishna. And I think our scientists are very successful. I think you also have written something about Darwin. Uh, so <laughs> I saw some books by Jutta Karma also, archaeology. So yeah, they've, they're successful. And there's one I just met in Almvix, one young scientist. He's Murali Gopal. Gopal, yeah. He's working on the, on, in that direction too, to glorify Krishna with science. And so that's, uh, yes. Then the second part, Narada serves sages. So here we hear, by, by following the life of Narada Muni, we can see Shraddha to Prema developing by the example of his, his life. Um, Narada serves the sages. So I will read um, verses 25 and 26. I ate the remnants one auspicious day, and all my sins were washed away. Here he is, eating. I was transformed, purified at heart, thus my spiritual life did start. I heard their talk so attentively, and my taste increased proportionately. They spoke of Lord Krishna and how he appears. I drank it all in with wide open ears. So there is Narada as a child, associating, with, listening, without envy, submissively, attentively. And he becomes, he has, he undergoes a change of heart, transformation. So then the next uh, attraction for Krishna by hearing, 
So Narada describes how anyone can be attracted to Krishna. While performing duties according to the order of Krishna, one constantly remembers him and glorifies him. And that's the last part, just glorify Krishna. So Narada recalls how he made spiritual progress. And here in verse 39 is very interesting that three things he got. First he got knowledge, then he got mystic powers, opulences, mystic opulences, and the third thing he got was bhava. So bhava is the last thing that will come. It's not, you, you can get mystic powers before you get bhava. And that's easier to get than bhava is the hardest thing, love of Godhead. That Krishna reserves. So then he tells Vyasadeva, you should just glorify Krishna. That was his instruction to Vyasadeva here. Glorify Krishna. So um, what was the lesson? We heard one lesson here. Anyone remembers? Okay. <laughs> Everything should be engaged in Krishna's service. Good. Good, good. Any other lessons which I didn't tell you? One should eat the remnants of devotees to get yes. washed of all sins. Well, yes, eat the remnants of devotees to get washed of all sins. Actually, every verse of Bhagavatam has a lesson. I just picked the most, uh, big, the biggest lessons that Prabhupada would quote from. So I kind of identify them and uh, emphasize them. Okay, any other lessons you learned? Mm -hmm. First comes knowledge, oh, then yeah. comes mystic powers, and yeah. then comes power. Yeah. Robin says in the purport that we can expect these things to happen to us. What means bhava? Bhava? Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. Bhava means love of Godhead. Yeah, thank you. I was assuming everybody here was here for some years. We do have new people. So bhava means love of God. That's the, high, that's the highest thing to get and the hardest thing to get. But Lord Chaitanya has made it easy, so we're lucky. But don't worry about mystic powers and all those things. Is it correct that the word bhava translates directly into like emotions? Yeah, emotions. Emotions, love means emotions. So when you have love for Krishna, then you experience emotions, loving emotions, loving emotions. Yeah, okay, good. Chapter six, part one. Conversation between Narada and Vyasa. Here Vyasa, they have questions. Narada about his previous life. Um, as the son of a maidservant. He asks more what happened to him. How did you become attracted? And how, how, what happened in your life? And the first thing he talks about, how he, he was with his mother, living with his mother, and very attached. And he was going to Gurukul also. But one day a snake bit his mother, and she died. And he decided to leave home. And there he's wandering. The boy, boy Narda travels, that's the name. Sometimes very scary places, sometimes 
opulent places, sometimes beautiful places. And then he stopped to drink some water and sat underneath a banyan tree to meditate. And so in his meditation, he, he saw the Lord appear in his heart, you can see here, but then the Lord left. The Lord left him. He was happy when he saw the Lord, but then the Lord left and he, he was crying. And the Lord said, you have only once, well, now we're here. He hears the voice. You have, the Lord speaks. You have only once seen me, and this is just to increase your desire for me, because the more you hanker for me, the more you'll be free from all material desires. I guess that's a lesson also. The more you desire Krishna, the more you'll be freed of material desires. Two things go together. Narada changes body. So he was a boy, and now he became Narada Muni at the end of his life. And at the end of the millennium, he appeared, he went back into the mouth of Vishnu, and he appeared as the son of Brahma in his next life. So his previous life was understood was to be in the previous day of Brahma. And then the next day he, he was born as the son of Brahma. So this is a kalpa, kalpa, day of Brahma. Narada travels. So after that he just travels around everywhere without restriction. And the less, and he and he said that those who are always full of cares and anxieties can cross the ocean of nations on a most suitable boat, constant chanting of the holy names of the Lord and the activities of the, of the personality of Godhead. So that's what he does, and that's the lesson: to be free from anxiety, always chant the Lord's glories. So I just told you the lesson. Is there any other lesson? learn from this picture. Mm -hmm. Seemingly life gets much more exciting at the other. Life gets much gets, more exciting? It gets much more exciting after death. After death. Looking at life. Yeah, for the devotees. transformation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for us it will be very exciting after death. Because we're, we're dedicating our life for the service of Krishna. So it'll be a wonderful experience for us after death. We must have that faith. Okay, was there a lesson here? Yes. Yeah? I was not thinking about a lesson when you said this night, that we should have faith. Yes. Right. After death, it will be something better. Yes. And I was thinking like, because that's also in the first cancer. Krishna did. He was like, yeah. he was so happy to see Krishna because he was it said that he wasn't sure if he would see Krishna. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He wasn't sure. And that's why he was praying. We'll hear some of his prayers today. Um, and showing that he was he wasn't sure, but he even had Krishna in front of him, you know. And it's like, well, how how more sure can you be? You have Krishna right in front of you. Surely you're gonna go to Krishna. We have Krishna, and, that, and he prayed for that, of course. Please remain here, in front of me. Okay, and there was one lesson, also, if anybody remembers. To be free of anxiety, always chant the Lord's glories. That's what 
Narada does. Chapter 7, Part 1. So Vyasadeva's vision, he saw Krishna and he saw Maya behind Krishna. And he saw, here's the same picture, and then he saw Maya and the three modes of nature controlling the living entities, the jivas. And so therefore he wrote Srimad Bhagavatam to teach devotional service so we could be free from Maya. And verse 7, I'll read because it's a really nice verse. Conclusion of his meditation. By hearing Bhagavatam, love for Krishna sprouts and material illusion is kicked out. A feeling for his service is sown in the heart. Lamentation and fear thus depart. Okay. So that's the lesson. Uh, by hearing Bhagavatam, devotional service awakens. One is free from lamentation, fear, and illusion. Here they're running away. Lamentation, fear, and illusion. By hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. So the next section is Atmaramas, self, self, which means somebody who is satisfied in themselves, self-satisfied people. Shukadeva was such an Atmarama, that's why he left home at birth. He, as soon as he's born, he just left. So uh, he's a self-satisfied person. And even though you might be an Atmarama, still you're... Uh, Attracted by hearing about Krishna. So I'll read that verse, the Atmarama verse. Souls who are not materially bound are self-satisfied, yet still they are found, desiring to serve him, the Supreme Lord. For in Krishna, such spiritual attractiveness is stored. So that is this middle section here. And the last section, Arjuna chases Ashwatthama. So here is the second connection between uh, Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. Bhagavad Gita is spoken before the battle of Krukshetra. Now Krishna is appearing here in Bhagavatam, still driving Arjuna's chariot. It's the end of the battle now. The battle is almost over, but the son of Jonah went and killed the five sons of Draupadi. She's lamenting. Arjuna said, don't worry. I'll I will kill him, I will capture him. So Krishna is driving Arjuna's chariot and they're chasing Ashwatthama. Okay, so what was another lesson here? Oh, yeah, only one lesson. Mm -hmm. Fear, lamentation, and illusion are gone. And we also heard the connection of Gita and Bhagavatam here. There's two connections, one in the second verse and one here in chapter 7. So what happens? Um, Ashwatthama is afraid, he throws a brahmasya. Arjuna throws one to counteract it, but instead of counteracting it, they start heating up the universe destroying the universe and giving trouble to people. So Arjuna retracted both the Brahmastras 
Too bad they don't know how to do that in modern warfare. Take back the weapons. They know how to throw them, but they don't know how to take them. I mean, it's so sophisticated, the ancient, uh, ancient warfare. By mantra, they could do everything. Now I, I read on internet that the Russians have, are developing, uh, they are moving stones by mantra, by sound. They're using sound to move stones. So they, they wanted, I'm sure they would like to shoot people with it. Um, <laughs> because what to do with the moving stones? Because mostly it's uh, for the destruction of, of people. To they discover new things how to kill people better, and not to not to save lives. And so uh, yeah, Brahmastras. He retracts them, and then Arjuna's test. He captures Ashwatthama. Krishna says, "Kill him." Jopati says, "Spare him." Why should his mother, Creepy, become a widow like me? He was our guru. He's our guru's son. You should respect him. So she offered her respects. Bhima says, kill him. Bhima and Krishna. But Yudhisthira and Jopati and the other Pandavas say, no, you should spare him. So Krishna had to discover four arms here. Ashutama punished. Two arms to stop Jopati and two arms to stop Bhima. Robert says in one lecture he had to discover four arms to stop the two from fighting. And so Krishna advised Arjuna to kill and Jopati to save. So how did he do it? How did he punish? He, he took his chunks out of his hair, his jewel out of his head. And as far as I understand, the, the haircut was permanent because he dug deep enough that there were scars and the hair wouldn't grow back. So that was kind of not very nice um, for Ashvatthama. And he was driven out, of the, driven out of the camp. And he's forced to wander for thousands of years, so we've heard from Mahabharata. He's still wandering. And some people say they've sighted him in Vrindavan, wandering. Some Ayurvedic doctor, he went to a doctor, and the doc doctor said, I can't cure that wound, <laughs> where he, the jewel was taken up. <laughs> anyway, whatever. And so Ashwatthama punished, Arjuna passed his test. And chapter 8, we have Kunti, Kunti's prayers. But before her prayers, they all go to take bath in Jamuna, or Ganga, Jamuna, I guess. I don't know what's where they were anyway. They they went to Bath. I think it says Ganga. Yeah, Ganga. It is Yamuna. Hmm. I mean, it is Yamuna. Yeah. Yamuna flows by Hastinapur. Yamuna flows. That's true. But it's I mean the same thing that also they said Maharaj priests is set down by the Ganges. Oh, the Ganges yeah. So but it's yeah. easier than Yamuna, but they. Right. Yamuna is called the Ganges. Yamuna is called Ganga. Mm-hmm. So everyone was shocked. Krishna pacifies them. But then, in meanwhile, Ashwatthama is busy sending another Brahmastra to kill Pariksit. And Krishna comes and saves him. Pariksit saved. That's the second part. His mother, Uttara, comes running and she says, I don't care if I die, but please protect my baby in the womb. 
So Krishna comes in the womb, Parikshit sees him, and that's why he gets the name Parikshit, examiner, looking for that person who came to save him. So Kunti starts praying and she describes Krishna's qualities. Um, she glorifies his names, uh, appreciates all the lotus features of his body. I'll read one verse from Kunti. Govinda and Vasudeva are his names. He delights Brijabhasis with his games. He loves the cows. He's Nanda's boy. I bow down to him, Devaki's joy. So that's verse 21. 22 is about all the lotus, lotus eyes, lotus feet, lotus navel, lotus garland, everything lotus. She's describing the qualities of Krishna. And then the last section here, Krishna's protection, how he protected Jopati, protected them from the fire, from poison snakes, from cannibals. And uh, so she is very appreciative of Krishna. She's expressing her gratitude. And then uh, she talks about chanting the holy name, and she prays for more troubles, actually. Then you will come, and you will be with us. When we're in trouble, you're always with us. Now we got the kingdom, you're leaving. Don't leave. So chanting the holy name is difficult for someone who is materially engrossed. The Lord is the property of those who are materially exhausted. So this is a lesson here. Krishna is easily approached by those who are materially exhausted. So I just told you the lesson. I should read verse 27. My Lord, you are owned by impoverished souls you who've abandoned all material goals. Lord above the modes, you're self-satisfied. Most gentle, you are the monist's guide. Okay, we'll read second part of chapter 8. She's continuing her prayers. Krishna's birth and activities. She's bewildered. How does Krishna take birth although he's unborn? How does he appear? So why does he appear? He appears to please his devotees like Mother Yashoda. I'll read verse 31. Yashoda Mataji bound you with a rope to correct your offense was her good hope. You were afraid and cried real tears, yet you aroused fear, personified spheres. So then she talks, well, you were prayed for by Lord Brahma, you were prayed for, that's why you've come because of uh, Devaki and Vasudeva's prayers. And Lord Brahma prayed for you to come. And then she says, you've come to establish devotional service of hearing, chanting, and remembering. And that verse says, uh, you will see the lotus feet. One who continuously hears chants and is happy and others doing so will see Krishna's lotus feet. So that's the lesson here. You want to see Krishna's lotus feet, be happy when others chant and hear and remember. And also you be happy. Chant and be happy, Prabhupada said. Now here, Kunti's fear of separation. She's saying, here is the theme again. Uh, that now your lotus feet are marking our kingdom, so our kingdom is auspicious. But if you were to leave, our whole kingdom will become inauspicious. So that's that theme again. Something, one light went out? <laughs> Not too much.
Huh? Oh, <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't the projector. Okay, that's it. All right. I knew something happened. All right. So, um, again, the theme, without Krishna's presence, everything is inauspicious. And where Krishna is present, everything is auspicious. So that was Kunti's realization. Now read verses 41 and 42. You are the universal soul, the personality who keeps things whole. O Lord of Madhu, let my attraction be drawn to you without distraction. As the Ganga River flows to the sea, let my love be drawn to thee. So this is her prayer. The Ganga River is there. Somewhere here. So then Yudhisthira's lamentation, he's lamenting so many soldiers have been killed just for putting me on the throne. And he requests Krishna to stay, also just like Kunti, to stay a few uh, days more, stay more time. And But the most interesting thing here is that Krishna cannot pacify Yudhisthira. He, he managed with Arjuna before the battle of Krukshetra, but Yudhisthira and all the sages, the sages, they couldn't pacify Yudhisthira. Krishna couldn't pacify Yudhisthira. So why is this? Because they want to go to Bhishma. He wants to glorify Bhishma. And Bhishma can do what I could not do. Bhishma can do. So this is um, the purpose of why Krishna could not console Yudhisthira. So what did we learn here? What lesson? Mm -hmm. Krishna is, everything is auspicious. Where is Krishna, everything is auspicious. Good. And when he leaves, everything is inauspicious. So here's chapter 9, Pandavas approach Bhishma. Um, so he's lying in a bed of arrows about to pass away. All the great sages are coming from all, all over the universe. Shukadeva and Narada and so many sages are coming just to see the passing of Bhishma. So here the second part is Krishna's plan. So Bhishma was crying and he was, when he saw the Pandavas, he said, what uh, terrible things you suffered just because you were uh, connected to religion, religion personified. So no one can know the plan of the Lord. But accepting his, his plan, you must follow it. So that's the lesson. Although we may not understand Krishna's plan, we must try to accept it and execute it. So I'll read verse 15. How wonderful is time's influence, irreversible even in Yudhisthira's presence. The Lord, their companion and intimate friend, yet trouble for their brothers, had no end. So we must accept the plan. Although we may not understand the plan of Krishna, we must accept it. So Bhishma appreciates Krishna. Welcome. Haribo. Welcome, you have come for Arti. Arti will be a little late today. It will be on time, but might be a silent one. Okay, we're almost done. Bhishma appreciates 
Krishna. And a very wonderful verse I'm going to read to you, verse 23. By devotion and chanting of the holy name, a dying devotee is re released from mortal frame. Krishna appears in his servitor's mind and takes him home because he's so kind. So that's the lesson here, another lesson. Jai Gurnitai. Krishna appears in the mind of the devotee who attentively chants the holy name, so that verse 23, and saves him at the time of death. When we chant the holy name attentively, he, Krishna comes in our mind and saves us at the time of death. Okay, and what was the other lesson we learned here in this chapter? No one can guess the plans of the Lord. So, what should we do? Accept the plan. We, even though we don't understand the plan, we should accept it and try to execute it. We may not understand the plan of the Lord, but, we, but at the same time we understand what we're meant to do, what are our instructions, what we're meant to do for the Lord. And it might be difficult to understand what is the outcome. Okay. So, there was another lesson too. Krishna appears in the mind of devotee who is chanting the holy name attentively and saves him at death. Okay. So we'll go to the last section for today. Chapter 9, Part 2, Bhishma instructs Yudhisthira. So while Bhishma was waiting to leave his body, the Lord instructed him in um, occupational duties. And then he stopped instructing him and withdrew his mind and senses and focused on the form of Krishna. And he offered his last prayers. The section is called Partasarti. He wanted to see Krishna with the whip in his hand, the charioteer of Arjuna. That's how Bhishma wanted to see Krishna. Here he is charging after Bhishma when he was threatening the life of Arjuna. So what we learn here uh, is that Krishna upholds his devotee's vow by any means. Even break to, to the extent of breaking his own vow, he will uphold his devotee's vow. So this is, he, he upheld the vow of Bhishma that one day Duryodhana was getting on his case and he said, okay, don't worry, tomorrow Krishna will have to fight or else Arjuna will die. So he, Krishna fulfilled his vow. And Krishna promised not to fight, but he took up the wheel of the chariot to kill Bhishma Dev. So this is, these are the prayers of Bhishma Dev and very interestingly, although he's in the chivalrous mood, he pray, he remembers the gopis and says they're the best devotees and good to remember them. Pray for their blessings. Uh, so let's see what else here. Uh, Bhishma goes back to Godhead. There he, he stopped. He, he prayed that I let me see the four-armed form. Um, because he was seeing him on the battlefield, but he he didn't die, he didn't, he waited. 
because he had the benediction from his father to die at his own will. So here he is leaving his body while Krishna is in front of him. And he died by his own will. Mm -hmm. When Krishna he says that he upholds his devotee's vow, mm. it means that his devotee, that refers to his pure devotee, because it just came to mind that we have seen that so many Srila um, Prabhupada, he would give sanyas, who did not uphold their vows. Yeah, the devotees do not uphold their vows. Mm. But what this means is if a devotee says something, mm. like I give you an example, yeah, of course it's appropriate to a pure devotee. Um, but Prabhupada did say to Shudakirti that if you chant 16 rounds and follow the four negative principles and you get up early, you follow these principles for 12 years, whatever you speak will, ha will come true. So that was what Prabhupada said to Shudakirti. Uh, so it, and his definition of pure devotee was everyone in Iskon is a pure devotee. Now, they, they, the devotee may not uphold their vows, but Krishna will uphold the devotees if a devotee vow says something. Yeah. So yeah, if you must have a, the quality of purity. Some you must have some qualification to be able to speak in such a way that your words will never prove false. You must have some qualification. Twelve years. Huh? Twelve years. Twelve years, that's what he said. I can't say. It's, sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes it happens. You have to be careful what you say. You have to be careful. Yeah, Prabhupada one time, uh, the first Rathyatra in San Francisco, he was so pleased. And uh, after, after the Rathyatra, they were having prasad distribution and Prabhupada was looking at all the people there. And half of the people who helped with Rathyatra were drugged out hippies. They weren't devotees. But Prabhupada looked at everyone and said, whoever helped with this Rathyatra will go back to Godhead in this life. So, wow. <laughs> he said it. And with Mr. Seti, I was just reading again today. <clears throat> he was a construction worker in um, Juhu. He built uh, rooms for devotees over tenants' quarters because we couldn't stay in the, you couldn't get the tenants out. You had to pay a lot of money. So this man was a uh, contractor, construction person, and he built rooms for devotees. Uh, for us, we had no place to stay. We were in a hut. The men were in a hut. The ladies were on the roof of a building. And we came to Bombay, Juhu. So he went to see Srila Prabhupada covered with dust and concrete. And Prabhupada said, just like you are building rooms for my devotees, so Krishna will, is building your room in Goloka, Vrindavan. And the man said, but Prabhupada, I, I'm not a devotee. I, I can't follow the rules and regulations. Uh, how is it possible that this will happen? So Prabhupada said, that I will see. So <laughs> that man left his body. We know he's got a room already reserved in Goloka, Vrindavan.
You couldn't stop drinking tea. That's something very difficult for some Indian people to give up. So yeah, that was... Yeah, so now it's time for questions. We did finish nine chapters today. No questions? Yes? I guess the most important verse is that it's a chance that can happen from Sarah. Pardon me? The most important verse in the Bible, and isn't that understood that it's the eighty chance that can happen? Yeah, that's what we said. We did emphasize that verse. Um, we put Krishna, that verse all by itself was its own section, remember? In chapter 3, we can go back. Chapter 1. Chapter 2. Here we see, here's Etichanshakala Punsa, right here. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. That was the lesson, Krishna's Supreme Personality of Godhead. And from him all incarnations come. Yeah, we emphasize. That's why we put this verse all by itself. It's the emperor verse, which the whole Bhagavatam is based. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Mm -hmm. And you had a question? It was in relation to this about literature of crows. Literature of crows, yeah. That um, I'm just thinking sometimes I find that I like to read books that I think can be connected to Christian consciousness in terms of like presenting our philosophy in, in ways that modern people they can relate to. Right. I mean, there is a lot of truth in the New Age. They want to bring people to the mood of goodness. Mm a lot of new, new, new Age philosophies. And yeah, we'll be talking about that on Thursday also, how there's a verse of Bhagavatam which helps to, which you can connect to the, some of the New Age philosophies. There's a nice verse uh, in, in Thursday's chapters, chapter 18. Yeah, you just have to be careful because um, so many devotees they get into the New Age, you know, they read the books and then they start practicing the New Age philosophy and they leave Krishna consciousness. So you have to make sure that uh, by taking their association, you don't become affected. And we have to, as Prabhupada said, catch the fish without getting wet. So you have to be very careful how it affects your mind. how it affects your consciousness, if you read these things. Mayavad philosophy is forbidden. That's forbidden, I mean, the, the hardcore Mayavadi philosophy is forbidden by Lord Chaitanya. Mm -hmm. Yeah? I'm also thinking this, not, not a moody one, since condemns this idea of like watered-down presentations yeah. Where, you know, Christian yeah. is kind of, you know, well, he's there, but kind of just as a side figure. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't, I mean, it seems like Narmuni's advice is, you know, Krishna in the center, presented strongly. Exactly, exactly. But some people, like, they, I mean, we can engage the outside people to help us, but some devotees are expert at it. Like, I know, I have my friend, 
who is a Iyengar yoga teacher since 30 years. She's a master. I mean, she can cure people's diseases with yoga. But she also brings, makes devotees too. And she's now, she was just a few weeks ago in China teaching hundreds. Like they have one class with a hundred people and they're all perfectly in formation, you know, you never see this in the West. They're all like, have their, their headstand all perfectly in rows, they don't fall down. And if one falls down, all the others get knocked, but you know, they're just so, so um, good at yoga. And she, she makes devotees also. So she, I mean, there is, she, there is preaching. Now she takes the yoga teachers to India on tours. So yeah, she's preaching not just to the students, but to the teachers. So you can do that uh, without getting affected then. That's good. She's a disciple of Prabhupada. She's quite an age. Hmm? It means she's an age. Her age is my age. It means. Hmm? 70. She's probably 70. I'm 71. Like that, most of Prabhupada's disciples are around 70 now. Give or take. A lot of them are my age. 71, 70. Yeah, and she's, she's going strong. I was attending. Because I, I, she, she cured me of a lot of diseases when I was in Vrindavan, so I, I've been practicing for, since 94, 25 years, 26 years, 25 years practicing. And I go down there for lessons and she's still going strong. Yeah, she's 71 and 70, traveling all over and teaching. Now her guru lived to be 90 something. Yeah. And he was a Vaishnava. Actually, this, this Iyengar, he was a Vaishnava. He would only allow her to cook for him because she was a Vaishnava. But uh, yeah. Any other questions? Mm hmm. Just to comment on this, like we just mentioned this, that now he seems to like to condemn presentations which don't put Krishna directly in the center. Right. Simultaneously, he also didn't tell the to like to burn the rest of the books. Pardon me? To burn the rest of the books. It's not that like we threw away Mahabharata or Yeah, right. We don't we don't burn Mahabharata and Vedanta Sutra. Because so they are scriptures. So in, in that regard I was just thinking like relating it to our like, modern situation where we try to preach Christian consciousness. Because we do see some people who use the indirect approach. For example, I know that in, in Russia, there's mm. like, and you just mentioned this example of yoga and how that works. Mm -hmm. uh, so I heard Tivamrit Swami make the point. Yeah, he, he has yoga. Mm. He but teaches he, yoga. He I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't advocate like direct preaching over indirect preaching or indirect yeah. preaching over direct right. preaching. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, the indirect. Prabhupada was direct. And so a lot of us were trained in that school. So it's hard for us to to do indirect. Some of some of some of us did. 
through Damodar, due to karma. They're doing indirect preaching. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's the the thing is not to make make an issue out of it and and divide devotees. Say, oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. But to appreciate how devotees are are spreading Krishna consciousness in their own ways. I mean, Prabhupada's way was to, like when George Harrison said, should I shave up and become a brahmachari? Prabhupada said, no, you can do much more for us by remaining as a musician. And men, I heard many devotees tell me, I became a devotee because of George Harrison hearing his songs. And he told, he told, he gave that instruction to several people. Uh, P Peter Wordwash, the famous tennis player, he also didn't. He gave him lots of instructions, but he he didn't tell him to surrender and become a devotee like us. Uh, so that's where the Varnashram comes in. That engage everybody, let them remain in their occupations and engage them according to their occupation, to where they are. And that, that was, I, as I understand also Prabhupada's plan, he wanted the high court judges to be wearing tilak. So that, that, it's not that we all have to become high court judges, but you make, they are, high, we make the high court judges uh, into devotees. And so that's, yeah, how to do that. <laughs> how to do that. Uh-huh. I just remember when I joined, there was some kind of recommendation to read the Mortal Prabhupada's books three times or something. Like right. Before you read it. I don't know if it's coming from Prabhupada or this instruction is actually coming from. Yeah, I haven't heard it from Prabhupada, but I have also heard that. I, I believe it's from his disciples. Read all the books three times. Because it's written in Srimad Bhagavatam. That you should read it three times? Well, Brahma, he read three times everything, and then he got perfection. Lord Brahma, he, that's what he did. If you read Canto 2, then you hear the life of Brahma, a lot about his life, and how he became perfect by reading all the scriptures three times. And when Prabhupada was here, we couldn't, there were, we didn't have all the books, so how could we read them three times? We, whatever we had, we read. When I joined, it was just the books from the ship that Prabhupada brought over, and um, Nectar of Devotion was just published, Teachings of Lord Chaitanya, Ishopanishad, and Bhagavad Gita in a condensed form. And when I joined Krishna Book, when I just joined Krishna Book Part 1, we didn't have many books, so yeah, we could read them. We could read them lots. Any other questions? Jai Hogwarts, Shri Prabhupada. Jai Hogwarts.